Well, good morning. I'm so glad that y'all are here with us today as we continue this morning in our series, The Cups of Promise. And as I already said, I'm so thankful that, that God's promises are just as valid today as they were the day that He gave them. You see, because God is eternal. What He said then is the same as Him saying it now. We think of things that are inside of time. God is outside of time. Everything He said then is available to us today. And I want to take just a couple of minutes this morning, as we have in each week in this series, to briefly go back and, and talk about the basis for these messages and recap what we've already talked about up to this point. We started this series in talking about how the divine hand of God was, was upon everything that happened, even when the Israelites were in slavery. Even when the Israelites were in the land of Egypt and they were in bondage, God's divine hand was still there. We talked about how the hand was upon Joseph even while he was in slavery. Even though Joseph was in less than ideal circumstances, God still had a plan for him. And we're going to talk a little more about that today. Most of you know the story of how God promised the land of Israel would be given to the descendants of Abraham. You also know that the Israelites ended up in Egypt, and they were there in bondage and slavery for more than 400 years. It was there that God spoke to Moses through a burning bush and told him he heard the cries of his people, and he would rescue them. Can I just tell you this morning, if your heart is heavy, God hears your cries. God hears you, and He will rescue you. We also talked in week one about how Moses went and he told Pharaoh exactly what God had said. And we know that that resulted in even harsher, harsher treatment for the Israelites. So Moses went back to God, and God replied, he replied in Exodus 6, which is where we get the text for our series. And we're going to take a look at that in just a moment. If you've got your Bibles, if you'll go ahead and turn there to Exodus chapter 6. It's here in Exodus that God gives the people of Israel four promises. These four promises are known by the Jewish people as the I wills of God. The Jewish people have been remembering these promises now for 3,500 years. They remember these promises as part of the Passover feast. Each promise is represented by a cup. And during the Passover feast, they fill each cup with wine, and they recite these I wills, or these promises of God, during the Passover feast. And then they, they drink the cup that represents that promise as it is read aloud. So we are... Here, once again, in Exodus 6, this, we're going to begin in verse 2, though. And it says this, God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself fully known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan where they resided as foreigners. I have heard the groanings 
of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. Right there, God makes it very clear who is talking. God doesn't say, go to, go to the Israelites and just tell them this. He didn't say, just go to Pharaoh and tell them this. He said, go to the Israelites and tell them, I am the Lord. God wanted to make it very clear who Moses was representing. He wanted them to know it was the Lord, the God Almighty, saying this, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. This is the first promise, the first cup. I will bring you out. This is salvation. It's the cup of salvation. The Jewish people call it the cup of sanctification. It's the setting apart, the taking out of the land of bondage. He then says, I will free you from being slaves to them. This is the second cup. It's the cup of deliverance. It's all about freedom. If you haven't um, got these memorized already, we're in week four now. Go ahead and write these down. There's a place there in your notes for it. The cup of salvation. Number two, the cup of deliverance. The problem with this cup, the cup of deliverance, is many people get stuck there. And they don't, they don't move on past the cup of deliverance. I understand God is always doing a work in us from now until Jesus comes. But they kind of get stuck there and they never begin to walk in the next cup. You've got to understand, He has a promise of freedom for you. And he goes on to say, And I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment. And this is where we'll be spending our time today. This is all about redemption. It's what God created you to do. Then verse 7 says this, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. This is all about living in a cup of fulfillment or a cup of praise. He then says, Then you will know that I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. You see, it's in this cup, this cup of fulfillment, this fourth cup, that you really begin to understand what being a Christian is all about. I think a lot of people think being a Christian is simply about getting saved and not going to hell. Can I tell you, God has so much more for you than that. And it's when you're living in that cup of fulfillment, the cup of praise, that you really truly begin to understand what that's all about. Church, you need to understand God has a plan, a purpose for you. He didn't create you to just simply walk through this life and not engage. He has something for you. So number one, the cup of salvation. I will bring you out from under the, the burdens or the bondage of the Egyptians. Number two, the cup of deliverance. I will deliver you from being slaves to them. And this cup, the cup of deliverance, is about getting the junk out of your life. It's about getting Egypt out of you. I was really encouraged Wednesday night because I saw many of you from Sunday come in on Wednesday night for CR and embrace what was happening there because that's exactly what Celebrate Recovery is all about. It's about getting the old junk, the old you out of you and walking in all that God has for you. Amen. Number three is the cup of redemption. I will redeem you with an outstretched hand. And this is the one we're going to be spending some time on today. 
And finally, the cup of fulfillment or the cup of praise. I will take you as my people and I will be your God. And that's where we'll be next week. These promises that God gave to the Israelite people 3,500 years ago are promises that are still available to you today. And you need to understand, these promises have got to be who shape us as a church. We want to be a church that bring people from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It's why we do things that we do, like Friday night, turning the parking lot into a drive-in theater. We didn't do it simply just to have a good time. It's about letting people know that we love them and there is a God that loves them too. It's about introducing people to a Jesus that came and died for them. It's why we do Celebrate Recovery on Wednesday night. We want to see people drinking from the cup of deliverance. We want to see people walking fully in all that God has for them. Which is why we do Growth Track as well. Listen to Colossians 1, 28 and 29. It says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. That's why we got to do what we do. He is the one we proclaim. It is because of Him that we do everything that we do. We want to be, as a church, just like our tagline says, equipping people for life's journey. You see, we want you to get to heaven, but we also want you to embrace all that God has for you here on earth. We want to help you make sure you get on and stay on the path that God has for your life. Amen? Amen. One of those steps to fulfillment is the cup of redemption. So what's that all about? What is redemption? What's it mean? Well, redemption can be defined many ways. Here are two ways. To buy or purchase. This concept is really referring, the way it is used in, in, in this passage, is being bought as a slave. Christ redeemed us in a sense so that we belong to Him. We, never, we no longer belong to Satan. He bought us paid for us with His blood. Another definition means to restore or to put back to its intended purpose. You see, redemption is all about putting things right. If we were looking at a movie, we could call it a comeback story. You know, we love to go to the movies and see those, those great comeback stories. The Bible, you need to understand, is completely filled with comeback stories. The Bible is very much filled with stories of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. Noah is a story of redemption for the people. Ruth, story of redemption. One of my all-time favorite stories of redemption is that of the prodigal son. You see, the story of the prodigal son is a story of redemption of someone who grew up knowing better trained right, yet wandered away. Knew the right path to take, chose the wrong path anyway. How many of us here could relate to that story? I know I could. There are many of us here that not only could relate to it, we would say, the story of the prodigal son, that is my story. That's who I was. 
since we're talking about the people being in Egypt and coming out of Egypt, we're going to talk about a redemption story of Joseph, one of the most incredible stories of redemption in all of the Bible. I'm sure most all of you here are familiar with the story of Joseph. Even if you didn't grow up in church, you've probably seen the DreamWorks film, Joseph, King of Dreams. So we're not going to read, I know it's in your notes there that says like Genesis 20 to 50 or 30 to 50, whatever it is. We're not going to read all 20 or 30 chapters of Joseph's story, so calm down. Speaking of that, I noticed when Chris put the message online from last week and I looked at the minutes and it said 52 or whatever, I'm like, dang, did I preach last week or did Chris? Because um, normally I don't preach that long, so no worries, a little shorter today. So we'll, we'll get out in time for lunch. Uh, so we do have to get through the story of Joseph, though, because it's so important. So if you remember Abraham, Abraham was promised by God the land of Israel, and all of his descendants were promised that. Well, Abraham had a son. His name was Isaac. Isaac had Esau and Jacob, and Jacob is the father of Joseph. Now, Jacob, he really loved Joseph. In fact, Joseph was really given some preferential treatment by his father, Jacob. And this, as you can imagine, didn't set real well with his other brothers. In fact, his dad even had a special coat of many colors made for him. You all know the, the story from Sunday school. If you remember that story from, from your Bible reading or Sunday school or maybe the movie that you saw, you know that it didn't end with just that. Joseph also had dreams. He dreamt that his older brothers would bow down before him. And if Joseph was already getting mistreated by his brothers, after, after he shared this dream with them, you can just imagine how well that went over. Well, his brothers weren't so excited about it, and they even plotted to figure out, how can we get rid of him? How can we just make him go away? At first, they were going to kill him, but decided instead on selling him into slavery. And what they did is they did exactly that, and they brought back his coat of many colors to their father, torn and tattered and covered in blood. And they said, your son has been killed by wild animals. You need to under understand this. Even though Joseph was beaten and thrown into a hole, even though he was sold into slavery, God's hand was still upon him. God raised him up even in that place of slavery. God raised him up in Potiphar's house, which is where things continue to go wrong for Joseph. He just could not catch a break no matter what. So he's serving in Potiphar's house, and Potiphar's wife tries to get Joseph to sleep with her, and he refuses. He does the right thing. You know, sometimes you do the right thing, and it still doesn't work out well for you. You ever experienced that? Well, that was Joseph's experience over and over and over again. So he refused to sleep with her. She accuses him of rape, and Joseph ends up in prison. So he goes from being in a hole to sold into slavery to now he's in prison. And it was there while he was in prison that he interpreted some dreams. And later, Pharaoh heard about this, and Pharaoh had a dream, and he wanted to know what did it mean. So Pharaoh asked him, he said, Joseph, can you interpret this dream? 
But listen, Joseph knew who could interpret the dream. He said, no, I cannot. He said, but God can. You know, there's something in that right there. It's knowing where your strength comes from. After hearing the interpretation, Pharaoh put Joseph in charge over all the food in Egypt. In fact, Joseph was second in power only to Pharaoh himself. Sounds like a great comeback story, doesn't it? If it ended right there, we'd be like, wow, he was in a hole, he was beaten, he was sold into slavery, he was thrown in prison, he was taken straight out of prison and put as second in charge. I mean, we're talking like vice president. I mean, he was second only to Pharaoh. A great story of redemption, but the story doesn't end there. You see, there's more to this story. Joseph interpreted this dream, and he, he was telling Pharaoh what it meant. There were seven, seven good years that were going to be followed by seven bad years. And it was during these bad years that famine struck the land. It, it struck Egypt, but it wasn't just Egypt that it affected. It affected the whole region. And so his brothers, who were back in Israel, they were running out of food. So they come to Egypt in search of food. The very brothers that sold Joseph into slavery stood before him now asking him for food. Yet they didn't even know who they were standing in front of. And having his brothers there in front of him, he thought back about how his brothers had left him in a hole, had him beaten, had sold him into slavery. It was his brothers who put him in a place that caused him to spend the time in prison. It was his brothers who were responsible for every bit of pain that Joseph felt in his life. Some of you here today can relate perfectly with Joseph. Some would say, you're the prodigal. Some would say, I can relate to Joseph. It seems every trial or tribulation that has come my way has been at the hand of somebody else's. No fault to mine. I've been going through life praising God, worshiping God, doing the right things, yet trouble just seems to keep coming my way. Well, that's, that's Joseph's situation. His brothers are there in front of him, telling a story to them. To, to Joseph saying, we had a brother, but he was lost. And now we have a younger brother back home. Of course, Joseph didn't really believe them. So he says, fine, you go back, you get this brother, and you bring him back. I want to see him. And they return as Joseph um, asked, and there Joseph reveals to them who he is, offering forgiveness to them even though all the troubles in his life were a result of his brothers. He's saying, I forgive you. He offers them a place to live. His whole family, his father, they all come and they live in Egypt. Now it's not too long after this happens that Jacob dies. You can imagine, even though your brother had said, we forgive you, now the father is dead, they're thinking, he's going to kill us now. Dad is gone, and he's going to have his way. And that's where we pick up the story in Genesis chapter 50. 
if you've got it there in your notes. Genesis 50, beginning in verse number 15. It says this, When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. Am I the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What an incredible story of redemption. Joseph, instead of being bitter, instead of being resentful, instead of being unforgiving, he got it. He understood that it didn't matter his life circumstances. It didn't matter even what his own family had done to him. God had taken that which was intended for evil. God took it and made the unbelievable happen. Complete redemption. Church, God wants to do the same for you. He wants to take your life and all the messed up things and make it right. God's plan the entire Word of God from Genesis to Revelation. It's His eternal plan of redemption. But you also need to understand this. It's also His redemptive plan for your now as well. My desire is for each and every one of you to find and walk in God's redemptive plan for your life. You see, it doesn't matter what path you've taken up to this point. It doesn't matter if you were the prodigal and you have brought every stinking ounce of pain and trouble upon yourself. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if your, your life is the way it is because of someone else who has come against you. God still wants to set your life back on the right path. He has a redemptive plan for your life. He wants to put you back to your intended purpose. He wants to restore you. See, if you relate more to Joseph, you may be saying, every time I seem to be getting things going right, every time things seem to be going the right way, someone comes along and pulls the rug right out from under me. If that's you, understand this. God still has a redemptive plan for you. He has a plan and a purpose for you. And He will take what was intended for evil and turn it to good. Amen. This is a promise, as we said in, last week, or in week one, that you, not, you need to not just know, but you need to walk in it as well. You need to know and live and declare His promises over your life. And my hope for you is that all of us experience that in our journey, that we all drink from the cup of redemption. I pray each and every one of you would drink fully from each 
one of these cups. It, we want you to take from that first cup, the cup of salvation. That is the most important cup you could ever drink from. Knowing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Pathway to heaven. But you need to understand He doesn't want you to stay right there. He has so much more for you. He wants to take the Egypt out of you. He wants you to live fully in freedom. He wants you to experience real life change through the cup of deliverance. I pray each one of you would come to the cup of redemption. God wants to set things right in your life. You've got to allow Him to do it though. You've got to engage. You've got to do things like come to growth track. You've got to do things like be in church on Sunday morning. You've got to do things like get through the deliverance. If you're dealing with hurt from the past, come to Celebrate Recovery. It's one of the ways we try to help you here at Connection Point. There's things that we have laid out there for you to be able to do to help you get to that cup of fulfillment, to where you're living in all that God has for you, but you've got to engage. God will do the work in you, but you've got to do your part as well. Each and every one of us need to be redeemed. And that's because ultimately our redemption, it brings glory to God. It's ultimately not about us, it's about Him. 1 Corinthians 6, 9-11 through 11 says this, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. I'll add on there. That's what we all were. We all were sinners. He goes on to say this. But you were washed... You were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Thank God we have been bought by the blood of the Lamb. Thank God we don't have to be condemned for our wrongdoings. That God has a plan and a purpose, a perfect redemptive plan for our lives. This cup of redemption isn't an overnight process though. I'm so thankful that God is patient with me and hasn't given up. He is faithful to see it all the way through. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You see, it's him that's doing the work in us. God saves us. He delivers us. And He continues for our entire life until He takes us home to be with Him, doing a work in us. I love to see how God redeems us. I love seeing how He puts us back on the right path. So what does this redemption look like here? How do we help you with that here at Connection Point? One of the ways we help you is by asking you to go through growth track. It's about, all about helping you get to cup number four. That's what it was designed to do. Get you to that cup of fulfillment. It's a four-week class that happens every Sunday right after service. We haven't had them here during the summer, but we'll be back beginning next Sunday 
as soon as we finish service, we'll have lunch provided. It'll be right there in that room. I would ask that you sign up today so that we know if you're coming so that we can prepare. You see, many of us have wandered off the perfect path that God created for our lives. In fact, I'm not really sure I've ever met a person who, have, who has remained perfect on the path that God has created for them from day one through the time that God took them home. I think we could all relate to at some point in our lives we've wandered off of that path. But that doesn't mean God can't put us back on the right path. And that's what redemption is all about. It's all about being bought for a purpose other than the purpose that the enemy had for us. Growth Track is designed to help get you back on the right path, to get your life back to the way God intended it. Understand this. I want to be clear on this. God is delivering us the rest of our lives. You understand? There will be times that you'll fail. There will be times that He'll pick you up and set you back on that path. In Growth Track, in week three, the third week of the month, it's all about this, figuring out your purpose. It's all about discovering how it is that God made me and how He wired me. And what does he have for me to do? If you will do your part, he will do his. Embrace the process and he will do a work in you. Listen, Psalms 18.35 says this, You stoop down to make me great. God stoops down to make us great. Why does he do that? For his glory. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. So what's our part? How do we drink from the cup? The first thing you need to do, write it there in your notes, is discover your gift. Ephesians 1 through 11, or 1, 11 through 12, message version, it's there in your Bible. It's, it's there in your Bible. That was kind of ridiculous, wasn't it? How about it's there in your notes? I hope it's there in your Bible. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us. Isn't that a great thought? Before we ever got our hopes up, before we ever heard of Christ, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose He is working out in everything and every one. Second thing you have to do is develop your gift. Ephesians 4, 7 says, But to each one of us grace has been given as Christ appointed it. Verse 11 and 12 says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of his service. That's why we are here. That's why there's a leadership team to help you develop your gift. We are here because we want to help you to develop your gift and live out your calling. That's what the church is about, is equipping the saints for the work. A lot of times we forget about that. We think, oh, it's for me to come in and just sit back and you feed me, feed me, feed me. I understand there's times where we need a little bit of that. But, but what, what are we about? What are we for? To equip the saints to do the work. And that's why we're here, to help you develop your gift. We want to give you the opportunity to, to do just that. Maybe you feel God has gifted you with a gift of teaching. 
but maybe you're not quite ready to stand up here and teach. Well, we've got tools to help you. We've got things like thousands of Bible studies that are DVD-based and discussion-based that we can put in your hand, and you can lead a small group right in your home and begin to develop that gift of teaching. So start there. Thirdly, you've got to use your gift. God has gifted you for a reason. First Peter says God has given gifts to each of you from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Isn't it great that God doesn't make all of us teachers? Isn't it great that God doesn't make all of us evangelists or prophets or worship leaders or whatever? I mean, it'd be pretty boring if we were all the same. That's why it says, from his great variety of spiritual gifts. See, we need everybody doing their part so that the body can move forward. We've all been gifted differently. Walk in your gifting. Use your gift that God has given you. If you've discovered and developed your gift and you aren't using it, you're never going to live in the cup of fulfillment. I can promise you, you will never live in that cup of fulfillment if you are not using the gift that God has given you for His kingdom. That's where fulfillment happens. When you're able to serve, when you're able to do what God has called you to do. That's the one we're going to talk about a little more next week. But for now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to allow God to put you back on track. I want you to allow God to do a redemptive work in you. If this morning you would say, Pastor Todd, my life has gotten a little sideways. It's gotten a little off track. And I'm not sure if I'm on the right path. Or perhaps this morning you would say, Pastor Todd, I know I'm on the wrong path. Know this, God has a redemptive plan for you. And I need you to do two things. One, in just a moment, I want to pray with you. The other thing I need you to do is sign up for Growth Track before you leave here today. And then be here next Sunday to walk in that. God has a plan for you and a purpose for you. You've got to do your part. I want to pray for you this morning. In this place right now with every head bowed and every eye closed.